Hi, I'm Toby. I don't know about you, but I'm struggling to find life positive at the moment due to everything that's going on, but I'm going to have a jolly good go. So I've got a friend of mine to choose a Doctor Who story and to nominate their favourite things about it, one per episode and one bonus thing. And I'm going to watch along to try and mine it for those positives and see what my friend has chosen. Are you going to join me? Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a Doctor Who episode commentary podcast with me, Toby Haydock. So our latest guest has told me which story we'll be watching, and now they're going to tell you. Hi Toby, my name is John Cooper and I'm a comedian and illustrator. The story I've chosen is Time Flight because I think it's amazing and imaginative and has my favourite Doctor Who in it and the supersonic aeroplane Concorde and I remember telling you it was my favourite story and you telling me it was rubbish. So it's not, it's amazing. Time Flight is available from the BBC either as a single DVD or as part of the Season 19 Blu-ray box set so I hope you've popped it into your player and are ready for this viewing. Well, tonight's going swimmingly so far. I'll tell you all about that and this in a moment. But if you've managed to get your hands on your remote control, whatever it is you use, please press play now. Oh! It's been quite an evening. Uh, I was intending to polish this off fairly quickly and it's taken me about an hour and three quarters to find the remote control. There's nothing temporary about this limiter. Um, I'm probably going to be mean about some of the t technology in time flight. Uh, but you know what? People will look back on us in the future and go, why did they have a thing that you couldn't use? It hasn't got any buttons on it, the Blu-ray player, that you couldn't use unless you could find a piece of equipment approximately the size of a microbe. Uh, anyway, it's time flight, which, which I thought was going to be the most of my problems this evening. Uh, but we will address that because this is a positive podcast slash videocast. And one of the reasons for doing this, John Flint, who's in The Crusade as Sir William Depreo, I know a rather sad story about him, but this is early days for this, and I, I'm, I'm not sure if this is the right medium to unveil a tragedy. I might, I might take advisement on that and talk in more detail when I get to do the crusade, uh, where he has rather more to do. He has some lovely scenes with Jacqueline Hill as Barbara, uh, and I was rather disappointed. I mean, I was rather disappointed when I watched this many years later um, to realise how little he does because he was an actor from the Hartnell era, you know, illustrious. Be quiet, Alexa, don't you ruin my life as well. Technology is besetting me this evening. Uh, <laughs> uh, we should be doing the seeds of death so I could talk about putting all your eggs in one basket. Um, but this podcast was designed to be positive, and there's nothing worse than actually looking around for somebody to talk about or write about something that you love or that you like, only to find them be mean about it. And we're currently in the midst of coronavirus and various schisms between people p politically, ideologically, and even in the world of Doctor Who. Uh, and so actually it's quite 
timely that John Cooper, my good friend, a fine comic, uh, chose Time Flight and in his introduction that you all have just heard, sort of said when he told me it was his favourite story, I said it was rubbish. I hate me for doing that. Um, when somebody enthusiastically says to you, I like this thing, they go, oh, God. So that's... So in a way, I've been... You know, I've I've had a, a shot across my own bows early on in this to 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 sort of point out you know, to, to, that that I'm as guilty of the things that I'm reacting against in this podcast. Uh, and here we have the season story arc, the death of Adric uh, being addressed. Now, I think I'd I think I'd missed the beginning of episode one might talk about that later as well um uh, when this was on so i don't think i'd seen them sort of address the death of adric adric has died in tragic circumstances one of the most memorable parts of my childhood um and of course they laudably they address that at the beginning of this story uh, and davison peter davison sells it very very well he's such a good actor um and essentially they go adric is dead it's not that kind of show let's just get on with it and and in fact that was sort of telly of of the time there were the there weren't you know if, in things like juliet bravo and, and and all the sort of episodic telly that you watched bergerac things like that um there was nothing that that sort of hung around to distract from what was going on this week. A different way of doing things. Um, I mean, and I have to say, I, I mean, I love the new series. Um, but but when at the end of The Runaway Bride, the Doctor said, her name was Rose. I was like, no, no, she's she's got, oh, we're not going to be banging on about her. For, and I love Rose. And I was really sad that she went, but she's, she's gone. Have an adventure on a planet I've never been to before. I don't want you crying. <laughs> Although, of course, all of that stuff is so well done. But, um, <laughs> I mean, this is real. He's basically said, we've we've drawn a line under Adric. Uh, uh, in fact, we're going to have, as soon as we hit Heathrow Airport, we're in caper mode. Um, but... As a as a youngster, uh, and as part of the appeal with Doctor Who, I think is always where are they taking us this week, or you know the start of a new adventure is always what's you know what what are you unleashing that th that's fresh and new because that was the thing about Doctor Who is that it, it does I always say it's it doesn't he doesn't necessarily travel in time and space as much as he travels in genre. You can have. Um, well, look at this season, you know, Kinder, Black Orchid, Earthshocker in, are almost entirely different television programmes. Um, and that's what I love about Doctor Who, uh, is that uh, the TARDIS can land on a freeze frame of Heathrow Airport. Um, and, and my main... As I say, I, I'm watching the Blu-ray, by the way, for the first time. I've, now, I've seen the special features, but I've not watched The, the Adventure... So it's sort of freshly minted uh, because, you know, I thought I I, didn't, I I don't think I watched any of the stories on, on this set. Um, and, and certainly not. Uh, Time Flight would not have been top of my list, which is why I'm 
sort of quite excited. I, I do remember airport control being in a cupboard with files on the back uh, of the wall. Um, uh, but but Heathrow itself, I mean, this is... Uh, I mean, credit to John Nathan Turner, actually. Uh, and, and I seem to recall when he submitted the scripts... You had to submit the scripts upstairs, didn't you? When he submitted the scripts to his boss, his boss went... Uh, yeah, that's fine, but you'll never get permission to film at Heathrow Airport. And he sort of went, uh, actually, I've already got filming dates scheduled for here, here and here. And you sort of go, yeah, because you, you, you can imagine what sort of person the boss would have been. Yeah, yeah you'll never do that. You get quite a lot of dismissive people in uh, high up positions. Just going, oh, you'll never do that. Uh, whereas they should be going, oh, that's a brilliant idea. Let us know how we can help you. Um, and Nathan Turner. For all of uh, all of his controversial takes on the show, uh, knew how to grab a headline and filming at Heathrow. And of course, with Tegan's story, Tegan has been trying to get to Heathrow all season. So that's the other that's the other story arc. The big bad is the geographical location of Heathrow Airport. Uh, And now this is Peter Sellier as uh, Andrews, the security officer. Peter Sellier is a fine actor. And, uh, I mean, I was too young to know who he was when I first watched this. And when I got the sort of Doctor Who magazine with the episode guy, and I was Peter Sellier because he was around. He was in all sorts of um, sitcoms. He's in Keeping Up Appearances. Uh, uh, and Yes, Minister, as I, I think... Quite often, I think he's a semi-regular in Yes Minister, or certainly does appears in it more than once. But he's sort of Mr. Vicar slash civil servant in uh, sitcom and has had a fine stage career and is still going. Uh, good for him. Uh, I, I think he must be one of the Doctor Who's non-Nigerians. I'm guessing he's he must be 90. Um, and I remember being quite shocked to go, Andrews? Well, I don't even know who that is in Time Flight. And it's, it's a one-episode part. Um, he must have just, he must have just been a bit, just not had all that much going on. Um, now, I loved all of this as a kid. So, so John Sudbury. Now, I assumed that must be some continuity reference. No, it's just, just thrown in. He's a, he's one of those, ah, but Brigadier Lethbridge, that was enough to make my week. Uh, uh, the, 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 the mention of somebody from the past. It's a very Doctor Who fan thing that instead of enjoying the present, you worry about the future and you uh, and you love to be in touch with the past. I, I'm not speaking for every Doctor Who fan. I am speaking for myself, certainly in my younger years. Uh, so in a sense, you can understand John Nathan Turner doing what he did, which was so often invoke the past because it went down so well when he did. And I was... One of those people. I mean, uh, not a vocal one. I was out in the countryside in the middle of nowhere. I was, you know, I, Doctor Who was very much a solo pleasure, quiet at the back. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, 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 the past. And we, mo we, look, we mock the past so much now, and I don't think we're any better for it. Uh, the past, to me, was hallowed ground where they did things better and properly. I don't know when it happened when we decided to look at, say, old telly 
uh, and mock it, which is, again, this is hopefully a, an antidote to. And again, I've had a reminder of why, yes, some of the technology may be slightly limited on this, but <laughs> ours isn't all it's cracked up to be. I was so furious. Um, and of course, the more I looked, the more furious I got. Uh, I, I feel like I've, I started looking when it, I was in Jurassic England. But this is a this is a a, a, a very um, different story from the one you have in your mind's eye because this episode is is a mystery of a missing Concord. We haven't got to the 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 bits that everybody sort of talks about. Peter Davis himself did an interview when he he talked about this. Oh, look at that gorgeous shot of the Concord in the snow. That is so beautiful. I mean, that is a million dollars. Um, as I say, Peter Davison talked about that set. He did a, an interview on a documentary called The Doctors and, uh, you know, said, oh, it looked a bit crap. And I know John Nathan Turner wasn't over the moon about that. He wasn't saying Doctor Who is crap. He was saying the, the set of Jurassic England looks crap. I love the TARDIS on the forklift truck on its side. The TARDIS is brilliant, isn't it? Because... It's so, it sort of fits in any, anywhere whilst looking kind of incongruous anywhere, which is exactly what you want. It's sort of comfortable. It's a comfortable shape and a comfortable colour, but it is slightly old-fashioned and ramshackle, but therefore fits quite quaintly uh, into anywhere. I love the TARDIS on the forklift truck in the snow. What a great image. See, this is this is looking... I mean, the, the studio stuff is quite studio-y, but that's okay. That that looks not unlike any drama that would have been been on at the time. And this film stuff looks absolutely gorgeous. The Concorde looks great. The snow looks, there's some fantastic publicity photos. I, I remember there was a Doc 2 magazine I had. I had very few, which had... Did it have Tegan or did it have all of them on there? I can't even remember, but... A great shot of them with the Concorde. Richard Easton as Captain Stapley. Now, the last time I watched this, actually, was for a book I wrote with Rob Sherman called Running Through Corridors. Uh, and the third volume hasn't been published yet. It is all, this is all done in various forms. But, but I think the, the thing we both came out of loving with uh, 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 when, when we watched this was, was Richard Easton, who gives such a game performance. Um, I always feel sorry for the two two men in the cupboard, uh, <laughs> who I will talk about when they come back. Great shot of uh, Concord. I'm I'm really loving the airport setting. I think it. Uh, uh, well, obviously the faceless ones has has an airport, but that feels special because of that. Just the just the thing of going. Oh, let's set it in a place. Let's just 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 uh, uh, mix things up a bit. Give us a, an interesting setting. Although, I mean, I'm no expert, but I I don't think that's what airport control looks like. I, I think it's the filing cabinet in the background um, and, and a man in a brown jumper. I, d I don't know. They, it just looks like he's uh, he's lounging around on a, on a Sunday looking for a book to read. Um, and the other the confusing thing for me as a as a youngster who wanted to know things was that those two men in the cupboard... One, the man with the moustache, who is Brian McDermott, very interesting and eccentric actor, uh, who I will talk about later. Um, and Peter Dalson, um, 
Oh, I haven't seen anything else, I don't think. Uh, yes, but he's done bits and bobs, but none that I stick in mind to me. Um, these two, neither of their characters are referred to by name on screen. So I didn't know which one was which for ages and ages and ages until um, I found out a bit more about Brian McDermott, who was one of the earliest people to, or certainly an early advocate and stander for the referendum party, as was that sort of became UKIP. Uh, and he did, I think one man shows about Saddam Hussein and Adolf Hitler. He was a bit of a character, a bit of a, 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 a bit of an eccentric. And, and yes, a, a man who wanted an independent Britain and would do agitprop sort of theatre and one man shows uh, uh, in order to make that point. And ran a, ran a theatre company and um, was a bit of a character. He does lots of what I call clench fist official acting in this, where you show that you're a little bit testy by uh, by by every time you walk, you've got your hand by your side doing that. Uh, it's a it's a particular character actor trait in uh, sort of dramas involving boardrooms or or testy officials. He's actually not unlike, although not not I I, I would contend not an actor in quite the same league as. Um, as Colin Gordon, as the commandant in The Faceless Ones, who is also a testy, mustachioed uh, uh, official. Um, but Colin Gordon, oh, well, we will wait till we get to The Faceless Ones, uh, which uh, has yet to be claimed. Keith Drinkle here, as uh, Roger Scobie, uh, was in a lot at the time. Uh, cropped up in all sorts of things, um, still around. He's in a spin-off video is a video do you call them videos nowadays he's in a spin-off uh, called zygon and you see rather a lot of him i have to say but, uh, uh, the sort of thing i associate with doctor who um but uh, there is something glorious about the fact that there's a, a a slightly saucy but it's not saucy it's i mean it's just got nudity in it to sort of go we're grown up we may be from the doctor who show but look here's a winkle um, and it's it's Drinkle's Winkle. Um, <laughs> oh dear, this see this still looks great. The episode has interesting because it's sort of down as a duff production, crap, as Peter Davison said. Um, it looks great so far, and it, and the the film stuff is really nicely shot. I adored that shot of the Concord. Uh, and, and, you know, there's just something about real metal and rust and snow, the sort of things that you don't get in a studio. So they just really help. And they're unusual, you know, because we are so used to stuff being largely in the studio with Doctor Who. Oh, and, oh, yes, of course, this is this is where it suddenly all goes. Right, You're suddenly in the studio and they're suddenly CSO. I, I mean, I... I have to say, I, I don't think that's transmittable today. I don't think you could. I mean, we've gone from really nicely, con nice, convincing film, and we're supposed to be in the same place. I know it's an illusion, and we're waiting for a special effect to transport us to um, Paleolithic times or whatever, whatever they are. But, but, but in terms of the continuity of the visual image. That cut that of that beautiful film shot of of Nissa to that 
videotape shot of the corpses to this fringy CSO abomination uh, is that would not pass technical technical standards now uh, and it's really odd because the wipe doesn't have them in the same in the same standing positions though I was expecting the sort of wipe I knew it became Jurassic England I was expecting them to be standing in the same place which would necessitate the CSO we saw before they could have done that all that previous bit on film uh, and then you know cut to cut to videotape and after the flash it would have been a much better uh, cut now but I am supposed to be accentuating the positive and it's a it's a very neat idea and you can never criticize Doctor Who for its ambition you can't because what separated Doctor Who from all the other television shows for me at the time was that it did things no other television show did and Doctor Who should always try to do things that no other television show should do and and sometimes that means not quite pulling it off but um, in a world where you know like that BBC man said oh you'll never get Concord well he did so actually it was worth a try wasn't it so they didn't pull that off but but nobody didn't have a go uh, and uh, and sometimes sometimes people have a go and they, they get it wrong uh, I, I mean as a child this totally convinced me uh, I was rather sad for the actor Leon Nei Tai uh, for being bottom of the credits when he was playing the villain. I didn't get that yet because I, I read the credits. <laughs> uh, and that building's great. Um, the, the perspective... The perspective works there, actually. It's such a big ask to do... Uh, uh, you know, it, oh, oh, that's that's a decent... That's a decent shot, actually. That little effect shot. I'd forgotten about that. It's it. It's a it's a it's a big ask to 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 do this to do this, uh, set in a in a studio. Um, actually, those rocks are fine. Um, and I I do like the three pilots. Um. And I believe that Ron Jones. Did look didn't realise that Anthony Ainley would be playing Khalid, which uh, uh, might have because uh, it's because it's interesting though because that I've never seen this being described as problematic in a way that uh, 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 John Bennett in the Talons of Wang Chiang is, but it's the it's the same thing. Well, I suppose because it is the master in disguise. I suppose I suppose. I suppose it is justified in those terms, um, but it is. But I, yeah, but oh, that's a nice shot of uh, of the Doctor and Tegan through the the wreckage. That was rendered in a in a nice in a nice point of view shot as well. Um, credit to Peter Davison. He's uh, he's always on the ball. Uh, always 
seeking to make it work and seeking to make it interesting. They're very old-fashioned, aren't they, these uh, these pilots? I don't know any pilots, uh, so I don't know if they're... Oh, actually, my friend Mark is a was a military pilot. But um, now watching this um, Blu-ray, it's been cleaned up. You, the backdrop is... Uh, Indian Juju Man. I'm, I'm, I think that's quite problematic as well. Uh, Dave Culshaw and Angela Clifford. Now, Dave Culshaw is Barney Lawrence, who had been a Marshman, but had also been one of the androids uh, in Earthshock. So it's quite nice for us to see his face finally. Um, uh I didn't know you had a New York stopover. Is that is that Angela Clifford's line? Poor old Angela Clifford. Um, now the the what uh, the no that was the plasmatons, uh, which is again another sort of brave stab, isn't it? Um, I think if they didn't have legs, uh, and it's a bit it's a bit like the Slitheen, isn't it? Is that they're they're rendered with. The visual effect, a bit of bubble bath later on, and the the men with legs, like the Slitheen when they were CGI and they were suited, it's 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 difficult to 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 marry them all together. Um, although I, the addition of the bubble bath actually helps to meld them there, so that's okay. That's okay. Uh, yeah, some tricky visuals, I have to say, in the last uh, in the last few minutes. But 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 up to that, this is a it's an intriguing adventure uh, with a, a testy commandant Horton or Sheard Sheard. Um, oh, and John Flint gets credited above Peter Sellier. Goodness, um, like Leon Tai right at the bottom. Um, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was quite jolly. It was quite a jolly romp so far, but uh, gosh, the budget's uh, the budget's a hard one to wrangle. But I'm not arguing with the ambition, and sometimes good solid ambition is loading worth a cartload of cash <laughs> or some such. Uh, well, uh, oh, so I have to, uh, well, I've got to press pause, which I will do now, because I think I'm on play all on my Blu-ray box set. So I've got to choose my favourite thing of that. Well, I think it's the film work. I think it's the shot of Concord on film, that beautiful shot of Concord. But if I, I'll take in the whole snow, the TARDIS on the forklift truck. So the film work on the landing place <laughs> whatever it's called at Heathrow Airport I thought was glorious what has lovely John Cooper chosen now he's on he's on music and I've lined him up I don't know what he's going to say it's all a mystery to me my favourite thing about episode one is the plasmatons because I remember that back in the day anything that was an amorphous blobby thing would scare me like the things in the three doctors as well uh, so the plasmatons from episode one. Um, that's interesting. The plasmaton. Okay. Well, isn't that because, of course, John is, is going back to his childhood. I hadn't actually remembered the plasmatons 
from when I was a kid. I'd not remembered the monsters. I'd remembered Professor Hater and I'd remembered the the, the Zeraphin. Um but uh, but but the plasmatons I'd I'd totally forgotten. So obviously John John's hooked in there because they're a memory from his youth. Uh note to self, uh somebody who watched the three doctors as a kid might choose the gel guards if uh, if if if, uh, if 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 John's anything to go by there. Um so <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, I chose uh, the Concord. John chose the Plasmatons, so uh, I didn't guess what he guessed. Let's see if I can guess uh, what uh, uh, what he does in future episodes. But that is for another edition. So uh, I'm just going to go and... Uh, Uh, line up the the next bit. Um, sorry, I was I was I was going to say I'm just going to go and smash up my Blu-ray player because of this thing, uh, which means I'm now about two hours behind schedule. But I could be in Jurassic England. I I could be in a BBC studio in the early 1980s having to make Jurassic England on a shoestring budget. So actually, I'm very lucky. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Join me for episode two of Time Flight. Until next time, goodbye. I think you'll find. 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 Now, not so much as a correction, but actually picking myself up on something I neglected. Perhaps I'm correcting myself. Peter Dalson, who plays the brown jumpered man in the very small radar office uh, uh is an australian actor and i knew i knew something about him uh i knew that uh, he'd gone into law and indeed he was called to the bar in 1996 uh, and i have seen him in things he was in an australian series called bodyline which i saw um, and he was in sons and daughters can't be many people who've been in doctor who and sons and daughters but um Yes, Peter Dalson is now a, a, a trial advocate and he has done lots of trial work, including murders, attempted murders, manslaughters, uh, and has represented a number of defendants facing the most serious crimes. So uh, he's, uh, he's mostly a criminal defence lawyer now. Uh, so um, even somebody whose sole contribution to Doctor Who is to sit in a cupboard in a beige shirt and a brown jumper has a fascinating story to tell. I'm going to put him on my list of people to maybe uh, pursue and see if I can get him to tell his story because I'm sure he's got some memories of Doctor Who and I'm sure he's had a very interesting life since. But um, I didn't want to just leave him hanging as the man in the brown jumper. I think you'll find there's more to him than that. Of course there is. Right, well, <clears throat> I'm a little bit tired because it's taken me slightly longer to embark upon tonight's quest back in time because it took me as long as it took the dinosaurs to die out to find the remote control. I have it here and I'm about to press play to get episode two of Time Flight going and I hope you're going to do the same in three Two, one. And that took far longer than episode one. I try my best. Um, 
Yeah. Be quiet, Alexa, or I shall smash you to pieces with a hammer. I live with a robot woman who ruins my life. Um, uh, so that, yes, look. Um, by the very fact these are being done by me, they're going to be quite ramshackle. So if you're into um, exactness in terms of lining up of episodes and, you know, the sort of little little professional tweaks they're not going to happen <laughs> i i mean i will work hard to make sure the font is fastidiously observed on the closing credits but so yeah there will be certain things that are very um will will take me an unnecessarily large amount of time to pull off but um the actual doing of it uh i, I actually think that that costume and that makeup um it as i said last week um Khalid totally convinced me as a as a bad guy i mean you can see anthony ainley's in there now but uh he he goes for it and uh and and the makeup disguises him effectively um they bulked him out a bit as well um and he was yeah he was he was a sort of convincing convincing bad guy oh the doctor's uh doctor's question marks on his lapel are backwards the 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 question marks get a a hard time now um i think because they they sort of spread like a rash didn't they sort of got one and then and they gradually spread all over his body um i i loved the question mark lapels as a as a young man um i thought they were a really sort of neat neat little touch as i say and you can you can you can have too much of a good thing, Doctor Number Seven. Um, I I I didn't like the cricket thing as a as a kid because even though I I played cricket at school, um, I think it tied him too much with one particular image. But actually, I I I do like this costume. I I think it's only the jumper that sort of says a hundred percent. He's he's. He's not travelling through space and time. He's on his way to a cricket game. I, I think if the if the if the jumper didn't look like it couldn't be worn for anything else, I think I think the rest of the costume would would get away with it. The silhouette's great, and I think the colours are great. Uh, and actually, cricket whites are quite a sort of dull colour. So actually, the the splashes of of colour that have been but that have been thrown in there, I actually think it's rather a, an elegant. Um, Nice costume. I just think the jumper is too work-specific, what, what you uh, too, too, too associated with one particular thing. The professor haters. Professor haters dressed as Matt Smith. He's professor haters cosplaying <laughs> as the eleventh Doctor. <laughs> Look at him. He really is. <laughs> you heard it here first. Or is or is is that what? Matt Smith was channeling. I think he's the Nigel Stock doctor. Um, Nigel Stock, a fine actor. Um, who I remember, I think, his presence impressed, if not my, I think maybe my granddad, um, who, who was never massively demonstrative about a lot of things, but he, he, he knew if a good actor was in something, even though he wasn't, had no theatrical associations at all. He just knew stuff, my granddad. He was of that generation. You could ask him anything about it. He left school at, I think, nine or something ridiculous. He was one of 12 kids uh, and yet probably knows, knew more about 
a broad range of subjects than anybody I've ever met because he just got on with life and I think because he'd been denied an education soaked up knowledge uh, and I stayed it's not it's not entirely irrelevant that uh, I, I talk about him here because I stayed at my grandparents when this was on and they are the reason I missed the beginning of something because they they were my grandmother was a Methodist who, who was all about you know morals and stuff you shouldn't drink she'd say and then at Christmas would have a stones green ginger wine and that somehow didn't count uh, <laughs> but um they lied to me. They lied to me because they watched Crossroads, I think. Uh, and I said, oh, but, but Doctor Who's on, Doctor Who's on. They said, it's all right, it, it finishes before Doctor Who. And, the, you know, they turn over and I'd go, oh, but it started. They go, no, you've just missed the very beginning. And I, and actually it turned out I missed, about, I missed a good chunk of it. Um, and that, particularly when it comes to episode four, because I remember Nigel Stock gets credited in episode four. Uh, uh, and and he's not it, and I thought he wasn't in it, and I assumed it was just that he was on the the reprise from episode the end of episode three where he dies, uh, but no, he actually appears in a scene in the TARDIS with uh, with Stapley and uh, and uh, and Michael Cashman Bilton, um, but I didn't see that scene, and that's quite a way in. We will see how much my grandparents made me to watch blooming Crossroads. But it was, all, it was the fact that they fibbed to me. Uh, I knew that I wouldn't challenge, you know, I wouldn't challenge that. Um, I was quite mean. For Crossroads, I think it was Crossroads. So I was definitely with them for episodes three and four. I don't know if I was for episode two, but I, 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 I certainly, I don't think I saw um, the, the, the scene where they sort of got over the death of Adric. So... Maybe I just kept missing the beginning of episodes of Doctor Who. Maybe it was to give myself something to discover later in life. Um, yeah, Stock was of good stock, a fine actor. Um, I remember I live outside a place called Ludlow in Shropshire and um, have the Ludlow Festival where visiting actors would come and do things. And I remember in the paper it said an actor who was due to come to the Ludlow Festival has died. It was Nigel Stock. And I think I thought of him as very old. I think he was only in his mid-60s probably when he died, if that. Um, but, you know, which is no age now. I've got mates who are 60. That's terrifying, isn't it? I love Nyssa. Nyssa was my favourite as a as a as a youngster i i held a bit of a torch for nissa and i love her costume her costume's absolutely gorgeous the colors actually of this era and they do, and they don't do that that costume because obviously it's not it's not a contemporary costume but i think um the amy roberts june hudson uh costume aegis um get, do have a sort of theatrical grandeur that that are really helpful in not being very 1980s but being a bit but but you know because they're slightly theatrical and therefore you know redolent of the past i think i don't think i don't look at nissa's costume and go oh that's from a television show from the 1980s um but i could be wrong because i don't know anything about 
costume, but uh, and, and it's tied with my childhood. Um, I love Captain Stapley. I'll stay with Nissa. Good for you, Captain Stapley. That's the good sort. The bubble bath sort of works there. The bubble bath plasmatons. He's um. Davison's breathy stuff is great. S you know, stuck on a fairly difficult set with, with which which doesn't allow for much interesting shooting. You know, everyone's sort of standing around talking, although this isn't badly shot here. Um, some of the shots are just sort of four people standing in a row, but the, the grouping there was actually very nicely done, Ron Jones. Um, but D Davison's breathy stuff gives 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 it such a sense of urgency and such a s slight sense of panic that's quite Troughton-esque. It's weird because he's not... He doesn't look anything like Trout. He's not, you know, he looks like a leading man. He looks like a young leading man, whereas Troughton looks like a craggy character actor. But actually, in terms of acting style, they are not unlike each other. Uh, and I think of both sp splendid actors. And, uh, and I don't think Peter Davison gets enough credit for being the character actor that he is because he looks like a leading man and because he's been such a sort of ubiquitous television face and because he's got kind of quite a and I don't mean this pejoratively quite a sort of bland face he's you know he's he's got a pleasant open face um but but actually his skills as a character actor uh, are, are are I think somewhat I was gonna say somewhat underrated but they're not he's never out of work but um I think he's more than a reliable tv face I think he's a He's a he's a damn fine actor. Um, Professor Hater's an absolute twat. <laughs> uh, all right, Professor Hater, you just um, yes, I, I, I I'm not sure what um, what the idea is with making Hater such a burke, but it does make what he does next episode sort of either unexpected or unsympathetic i don't know <laughs> these aren't bad caves um yes ron jones directed this uh oh you've got to love a sliding rock um they're the sort of things you take for, take for granted in programs of this ilk sliding rocks Sliding bookcases, rocks that you can get hit on the head with and not get concussion, but just sort of get knocked out without any lasting brain damage. Um, the, and the, the colours of the lighting in this this set are nice. Um, yeah, Ron, Ron Jones directing this. Um, I don't think he was the first choice, was he? I think they asked Andrew Morgan, who doesn't direct until Time of the Rani and is, was a... You know, as a very experienced, he'd risen in the ranks as production manager and things. Um, and I, th I think, was was going to do this and then got a got a better offer. And so, so Ron Jones, who'd done Black Orchid, I think was his first directing job. Then gets this, and we sort of forget about Ron Jones because he died sort of relatively young, and I don't think he gave many interviews. There's one in Doc Two magazine, and there's. There's one. There's there's one on video, isn't there? That's turned up, or is it? Or is it just photos and an audio? Um, 
we have got some footage of him um and he's on the french documentary about trial of a time lord um which i've only seen once about 30 years ago um but i remember him being on that because they just captured him as director and i thought i'll give the guy his name um He's uh, he's doing a decent job here, Anthony Ainley. He's uh, I, I I totally buy him there as 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 Khalid. He seems like, but I mean, it's quite an early reveal for a villain. In retrospect, now you can you can see why. Um, anyway, Ron Ron Jones, um, we sort of forget was um, you know has has quite a long career as a Doctor Who director, right through till. Uh, Till season twenty three, right? So, so throughout Peter Davison and 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 into Colin Baker, and nobody nobody talks about him much because he that time flight, arc of infinity. Uh, uh, none of them are ever the stories that people love. Although I think he does a a brilliant job on Frontios, which is which I'm looking forward to doing. I think is a story not talked about enough, and and he does a decent job on Vengeance on Varos. And depending on how you like your Doctor Who, mind warp. <laughs> I'm going to be interested to see how I react to that. <laughs> um, but this, I always, I always think this has a. I think people think of this as being a bit flat and a bit, and a bit cheap. And it's interesting because the, the story is a is a lovely idea, isn't it? About the the alien race. Uh, with with the two distinct sort of sides, uh, and then being influenced by a by a, a baleful force in this case, Kali slash the Master, is is a is a nice setup. But you don't, and it was called Seraphin at one point. But actually, the Seraphin only turn up at the end of episode three to have a chat from a CSO studio, and so you, their presence isn't felt as much. Uh, as it might be, and yet, and yet they're a really interesting, interesting concept. Um, but I do like the incongruity. This is what Doctor Who does so well. I love the way that Captain Stapley is irritated as we are by Professor Hater, um, <laughs> and he's love. We love Captain Stapley. Um, but the incongruity of these sort of besuited city gents or or people in airport uniform try d doing this sort of parity um pa parity airline stuff and trying to break into an alien catacomb you know if there's nothing as oh see this is good they're doing this really really well um and and oh that's really creepy the 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 idea that they can start parroting uh, the stuff that they do as a job that's that's quite a sort of grotesque parody of what they, they actually do because of the setting and because of the fact that we know they're parroting it because something is exerting its 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 control that's really good yeah i, I thought that was really effective yeah i uh, and, and of course, doc, that's a very Doctor Who-y thing about. Uh, oh, oh, Michael Cashman. So it took Tegan. It's, it's, I like that. Is it the Doctor, Nissa, Tegan? And then he goes, 
Oh, oh yes, Tegan. So, uh, so Bilton, you've got an eye for for Tegan, have you? Um, <laughs> although um, I remember, I don't think I'm betraying a thing. I remember because there's a making of on this, and they interview Keith Drinkle, and uh, he said uh, he said when uh, you know when when he was cast. Um, uh, Nathan Turner or, or some had gone. Oh, that's three then, because Richard Easton and Michael Cashman and Keith Drinkle are all gay. So um, you know you've got a you've got a full house, um, which of course is 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 neither here nor there. But um, because Keith Drinkle had said it, I think there was a the, the, there was a moment where Chris, who directed things, said, "You know, is this is this public record? Can can we include that as a?" as an amusing anecdote and it is it is in the thing so obviously it was it was fine obviously michael cashman is very much on public record because he went to play colin in eastenders uh, and then became a a, a, a a campaigner for gay rights and a member of the house of lords and has made an illustrious contribution to to politics as he had to acting because he'd been in the sandbaggers um and and colin in eastenders was a major character the first gay kiss on sort of popular television uh in the uk and then he made a i think um certainly one that made a made a big impression uh, and he made a documentary about it afterwards where he sort of compared the fact that there was a there's a heterosexual kiss in the same episode um and said but it was only his one which was only a peck on the cheek with uh, the actor gary hales uh and and, the, and a national newspaper the next day said East, it's East Benders. You go. I mean, I. This is the shadow of the times that I grew up in, and uh, you know. So when people kick back against, um, you know, political correctness or whatever, it it comes from an important place. It comes from from the fact that not all that long ago there are some things that were that were absolutely extraordinary to behold. Now. Um, you know that were mainstream annunciations from supposedly respectable and certainly you know widely digested organs i did not intend to do blontandra there but i'm quietly proud of myself that i got one in whilst making a very actually a very serious point and cashman's documentary was really interesting because he talked about how actually some kids came up to him and said give us a fiver give us a tenner he said no no and eventually said what what's going on why are you doing that and they said there's a bloke over there who told us to go and ask you and it was a, it was a photographer from uh, a, a tabloid newspaper so it's not only that they that they spread that sort of horrible childish stuff but they actually convoluted it they controlled it um but i can't talk through the appearance of adric very clever of john nathan turner because um, I'm guessing Matthew Waterhouse was probably still on contract, was he? So it wouldn't have cost him anything. But it means he gets his name in the Radio Times. So fans who are looking ahead because the Radio Times would have come out before uh, Earthshock's final episode was broadcast would not know that Adric wasn't in the following week because the cast list was for both episodes. I mean, he'd have been bottom of the credits, which would have been a bit odd because credits are important in order of appearance. I th is Melka Graham Cole again? Certainly, the original Melka is Graham Cole, who went, who is now an OBE and was PC Tony Stamp in the bill. 
Um, there's a series of quite unusual OBEs and CBEs in Doctor Who. Not unusual that Graham Cole should have one because he's done loads of charity work and is a bit of a national institution for being Tony Stamp in the bill. But in terms of his contribution to Doctor Who, uh, and he's not alone. And in fact, the first uh, uh, actor, the earliest chronologically actor to be recognised in the Queen's Birthday Honours, I discovered the other day, and it's much earlier than you'd think, and certainly not who you'd think, but I might do a podcast about that. So stay tuned. Um, but yes, um, when when you look at some of the... We, we look at the sort of division in, in society now and it's always been with us. The arguments may change uh, their footholds, but uh, they're still had and we have made a lot of progress. And yes, that a tabloid newspaper would pay children in order to set up an actor whose, whose greatest crime is to, is to play a gay man on a popular television programme and be gay himself. But I mean... You know, the the moral arbiters of our newspapers are people who rifle through celebrities' bins for a living. It's uh, anyway, I, I'd forgotten about that monster. I've seen the behind the scenes picture, and of course, it's a visual effects guy with a thing. And I'd remember seeing that. And he's saying it's from Time Flight. And I don't remember that bit, but it's this. Uh, it's uh, it's it's this sort of temporary monster that doesn't do much, but it's a. Uh, it's a useful addition to the story. Well done, Nissa. I always like it when Nissa's a bit proactive. Oh, and the death of the monster's good. That's that's a nice effect. Uh, but where's the story going? Why? What, the villains fall into the ground. The lighting here is lovely, actually. Um, you know, not all of the some of the rocks look a bit a bit. Oh, and I remember that. Yes, the death. All that goo 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 is fantastic. Um, there's a series of quite nice goo, sort of goo from the nose deaths in the in the in the Davis scenario. There's a the the, the Leptil, isn't there? And there's a sea devil in Warriors of the Deep. Yes, Doctor Psychotronics. I think you'll find it's electronics. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you don't want that because you don't want Professor Hater to be right because he's a twat. He's <laughs> twat. Am I? Because I, I don't swear on these things. Is twat a swear word? Ah, oh, and I remember, I think I was at my my grand and granddad, so I must have been there for a couple of weeks. It was unusual. Um, Mum must have been on holiday or something. Um, because the master, I mean, that was just, oh, because I didn't, because the master was relatively new to me, because I didn't know who he was until he, you know, until he turned up in, in Legopolis. And I, I think my brothers had said, oh, yeah, he's from the past and stuff, but I didn't really know. Um, but the fact that he'd come back. Um, because he's from the past. Whoa. Um, I'm still in, I'm still enjoying this. It's a bit flat in places, but that's, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not objecting to it at all. And, um, and there's plenty of Alec Wheel. There's a name to conjure. How many episodes is, is he credited on? I, I did work it out once because when he, when he died, he was, uh, I, 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 I'm sick. Oh, bless her. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Alec Wheel, senior cameraman. Legend. So, what am I going to... And I think I'm going to go to bed after this one. I was hoping to do this all in one night, but uh, I started about a, an hour and a half 
after I'd intended to because I couldn't find this. Um, it was actually just at the end of the sofa, but I was getting frustrated. So I started not looking methodically and I wound myself up and got cross. A bit like people do before they go on Twitter and things and then they end up, you know, spoiling things, which is what this is an antidote to. So, so, physician, heal thyself. Um, my favourite thing was um, Bilton and Stapley sort of reverting back to their their piloty selves and parroting that stuff in that sort of grotesque parody of 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 you know what they would do in their workplace but it's because it was they were being forced so to do by the you know malevolence uh, controlling the sanctum um i thought that was a really effective moment and that they particularly richard easton uh, did it did it very well and it's a nice idea you know the robbing of of personality is of what makes us particularly as that they're such game fellows those pilots i thought was really effective now what did John Cooper choose? I think I've got to go back a little bit for John because I went forward a little bit when when last time. Let's try there. The best thing about episode two is the reveal of the master. Oh, he's Khaled. Oh, he's not. He's the master. Who would have known? Who's even there to see it? It doesn't matter. It's amazing. The best thing about episode three. Yes. Yes. I mean, as a kid, again, this is very much John taking us back to his childhood which to be fair to me i wasn't present at <laughs> john uh, i didn't know him then uh, 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 um and actually that reveal of the master when when i was younger that was that was big news only in retrospect do we go why the hell was he in disguise if there was nobody there um but i suppose if he knew the doctor was eventually going to turn up he couldn't just throw that Cali disguise on, could he? He'd been hours in makeup, and presumably he's eaten his makeup. His tissue compressionized his makeup lady. Um, yeah, reveal of Cali is a good choice, but I like my choice too. Well, another day, another night, another Doctor Who commentary. So I hope you've got part three of Time Flight ready. I have. I've got remote. I've moved my Blu-ray player. We're good to go. Press play. Now. <laughs> it's still not much for muchness, is it? Um, well, welcome to part three of Time Flight. Uh, it's nice to be back. Uh, I needed to get a kip the other night. Um, uh... I'm very, I very I like this title sequence now. I didn't at the time. Uh, I, I thought it was too literal. I thought it didn't suggest time. It just suggested space. Um, I, I thought the font was too modern. It's still not my favourite, I don't think. I think it's more self-consciously of its time than some of the previous title sequences. Or maybe they're just older, so therefore seem more timeless, which might not make sense, but I think it does, ultimately. Um... I prefer, I prefer the sort of time travel abstract abstracty. I love the work of, of Bernard Lodge. Uh, but uh, I doff my cap to Sid Sutton. It's actually a very beautifully rendered 
title sequence and I and I do like the Howl theme tune. Uh, it's all I was having a conversation with somebody today. It's it's a, it's something to do with Doctor Who being part of our childhood. I know some of you would have come to it differently and I, I apologize for that, but I think I think how we found how we find Doctor Who is is very important to, to sort of how we appreciate it. I think the reason it, it speaks to so many people is because we associate it with our childhood and if our childhood was a happy place, it's reminiscent of that. If our childhood was slightly more difficult, it was a haven within that. Um, and, and childhood I've found quite scary and now I look back on it and realise that actually it was the it was the safest time, you know, it was a, emotionally, you know, you're you're sort of protected from various things or certainly practically you, you are um and so i'm nostalgic for a time i actually didn't find particularly easy which sounds like a paradox but it's but it's not anyway the master um who who dresses as a baddie <laughs> but it's gorgeous that velvet isn't it but uh, he wasn't going to be a plumber dressed like that um but I, I, you know, I remember this being a really exciting development, and John, John chose it for his his thing. I was I was so excited that the master turned up, even though I'd found him a very uncomfortable watch in Legopolis because he was that sort of disembodied laugh. I, I didn't like it, and that's you know that's that's the point. Um, uh, I I they are they are they are whiz, aren't they? The uh, Apparently there was uh, wasn't there a, the the I'm referring to the um, Captain Stapley and the airline crew, but I th I think there was a sort of chaperone. There was a a British Airways or a Heathrow Airport bunch uh, to ensure that they maintained the standards of you know the the crew. Otherwise the 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 the, the cooperation of of Heathrow uh, would uh, you know would not be as forthcoming. Um, or, or was dependent upon, you know, them not. Uh, I, I think one of them was supposed to refer to the to the passengers as punters, and that was taken out. Although I can well imagine, you know, you would you would call your, uh, the, the, you know, if you, if you're in a service industry, well, even as a, I mean, comedy clubs, we we talk about punters all the time, but that's slightly different. But that's a colloquialism. You'd and you'd probably be a, a company would I think now would allow for a bit more of a warts and all uh, depiction. I think, I don't know. Um, it's, a, it's a very different beast from uh, from Earthshock, isn't it? It's like it's a, a different show, and a different show from Black Orchid, a different show from Kinder, a different show from The Visitation. I think I rather thought Doctor Who was a bit sort of samey, apart from Earthshock, which stood out at this time. But of course it wasn't. I mean, the, the colour palette is the same. I always think of the Davis Nero as quite beige, which is not, not, the, most, not the most dynamic of colours. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted aliens invading Earth and unit blowing things up, and I had people wandering around catacombs and um you know they i think I, I i think i was hoping perhaps a dinosaur would turn up in this time period as well uh, oh now judith byfield as angela clifford she as gosh both of these people nigel stock i think was dead within four years of making this 
He's 62 here. Uh, and Judith Byfield, uh, I think, was had died by the end of the 1980s. Um, certainly very, very young. Terribly sad. Um, I, I actually have forgotten this scene. This is lovely where the Doctor and Professor Hater essentially go, yeah, this guy's going to... This guy's going to explain it to you. Nigel Stock is very good. He was a terribly good actor. Uh, he was anything called ONMD. He had his own series, wasn't he? And, and The Great Escape, I know. Uh, forgive me if I repeat myself from the last episode I did. It was two days ago. It's a cheek, isn't it? I have the, I have the audacity to sit down with people to watch an episode of Doctor Who there in 35 years ago. I go, what do you remember of this? I actually can't remember what I told you. I to what he did the night before last was it i think i did well you don't know i i did it was it was i don't think i did it last night i think i did it the night before uh, I'm, I'm currently recording in the time of coronavirus uh, i'm sure by the time that this reaches you that will be long into the distant past and that we will be plague free and happy to go around jumping on buses eating out uh, earning a living and licking strangers eyeballs but for now i'm trapped inside uh watching and trying to recapture the childhood joy. I, I did I did like all of these characters when I was uh, younger, and I and I, I I do think Richard Easton is 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 especially good. I, I mean, they are of a type. They are sort of jolly jolly. Um, uh, and Rich, yeah, I think I, I think I've mentioned the brothers, haven't I? And the fact that. It's a programme that only exists because Doctor Who fans <laughs> know of it because everybody from it. The, the Brothers and the Pallisers, I think, essentially were, were the DNA that created the cast lists of John Nathan Turner's early Doctor Who. Uh, it just goes to show, be nice. Well, I mean, I would be anyway, but I know a lot of actors who aren't. Be nice to the, the, the crew, even the supposed that there's no... I, I, I'm, not using this phrase word because it's one that I would use, but uh, the, you know, the lowlier members of the crew, uh, because one day they'll be the producer and might just give you a job. Um, and I do sometimes fantasize, and, and I have been able to cast things, but you know, you sometimes go, Yeah, he was nice to me, I'll give them a job. They, yeah, they were not so nice, and they're the ones, of course, that the producer wants. <laughs> but yes, poor old Judith Byfield, she does the Tannoy voice as well. Uh, in the airport um uh but yeah she she died she can't have been well she would have been younger than me um although i yeah i'm recording this on the day that ian martyr was born and died he he died on his birthday um and he was 42 which is younger than i am now which uh i don't know what it is about me that, that i'm sorry about that i do i do bang on about the dead I think it's. I've mentioned it before in in commentaries as as to why, but uh, you know, I imagine the the exciting lives these people led, and I uh, uh, and I liked what they did. I liked the fact that they came into my home and transported me to other worlds. And I particularly liked actors who I'd see in one thing being very very different in another thing. I always thought of that as a great skill. Now it's actually a bit of a drawback as an actor because people like you to be the same. I can do all sorts of accents. Yeah, we we know people who can actually just were born with the accent. So you know, don't don't worry about any of that acting, mate. Um, and of course, Nigel, Nigel Stock I think has a stick-on beard, um, whereas today you'd I think you'd pretty much be expected to 
to to to grow a beard or or have a beard but uh, you know it was much more th- theatrical you know and we we our eyes were used to theatricality in a in a way this is very much you know almost three walls with the audience looking on um but Nigel Stock was in The Great Escape and he did serve in the war. I've just written uh, another podcast for my other series, Indefinable Magic, uh, about the war records of various Doctor Who actors. And uh, I mentioned Stock because he's in The Great Escape, which is one of the finest films ever made, uh, a Christmas regular, which has in it um, William Russell, uh, who has some some decent bits to do and Tom Adams from Warriors of the Deep and Angus Lenny from The Ice Warriors and Terror of the Zygons it's a wonderful film uh, The Great Escape um, Donald Pleasance's wonderful performance and, and, and Nigel Stock I think he actually did hurt himself there's a bit where he jumps onto the bed but the planks have been removed by Steve McQueen because he's using the planks to shore up the, 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 the tunnel uh, and so he jumps on the bed and the planks aren't there and he, and he, and he falls through the, the bunk. The mattress falls through the bunk. Uh, uh, and I think Stock actually did break his arm or certainly hurt his collarbone or something when, when he did that scene, uh, which is really painful, but in the end makes for an anecdote. That's all you really want. I like the red lighting there on, on, on Keith Drinkle. Uh, and I quite like the fact that Bilton and Scobie, who could have been a bit interchangeable, uh, split up and get to do different bits um so that they therefore have their own sort of distinct slice of the action um and i remember very much being on on uh, on scobie's side because he was wandering around with a mustache um <laughs> i always i always liked a mustache i don't know why uh, i've n- never been able to grow a particularly robust one until relatively recently and now i can actually taste mine so needs a trim um now that I've, I've never quite understood the the plot of time flight but obviously this is what it, it, it centres around. The, the Zeraphin who, as I think I said before, don't the, 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 their dominance of the sort of storyline is, isn't matched by their, their presence in the story where, um, uh, you, you know, they, they, they crop up in a bit to do a bit of chat and that, that's all we see of them. Um, so they're much more sort of talked about than seen for uh, a, a, a bunch of creatures after whom the story was originally named. Oh, and yes, that's brilliant, isn't it? Because we actually saw them doing it. But that I remember that being really a very claustrophobic idea because there's no there's no door, there's no way to get out. The wall has been put back and I'm I'm quite claustrophobic I, I sometimes have nightmares about being locked in places uh, uh, and, I, and I, I find that quite creepy the idea that oh god we're n- now in a place and we, we can't get out uh, oh yes and this was this was really big news in the story because uh, you know he, he sent them off he sends them off in the TARDIS and you know that they've got to get back for the for the story to work but that means that you know they're going to do something heroic. And I quite like it when guest characters under their own steam, they're not even with a companion, these two, get to sort of take a party, uh, a, a part of the story themselves and, and do something that involves a bit of a bit of pluck and a bit of invention. I, I, I like that. I was always very interested in the in the, the new people that came in um, and, and 
in a way less so about the the main characters because I almost took them for granted, which is probably why I've introduced interviewed as many Vord as I have companions. Um, that's not a figuring. That is a. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure it's wise to, to say that the, the shrunken corpses look like figurines because often that's how they are rendered. Doctor, this looks like an action man. No, no, it's a, it's a shrunk corpse. But it looks, stop saying it looks like an action man. Because um, that is supposed to be a body, isn't it? That's supposed to be a Xerophin body. Now, come on, Professor Haiti, you're supposed to be a scientist. Yeah, so yes, it is. It's a corpse. What a horrible idea. You're holding a dead body, Doctor. Um, not a dapple seraphin uh, or whatever. It looks it looks more like an Oscar, actually. It's, it's, it's the alien Oscars. So, yes, I'm... I'm not. Oh, it's moving up and down the, the the thing in the middle of the sarcophagus. But as I say, there's a lot of sort of chatter. I'm not entirely clear about uh, about it. That's that. Yeah, that's that's simple, isn't it? That gives the impression that Bilton and Scobia. Uh, no, it's it's not helicopter. What? <laughs> and I like the way they call it TARDIS, like they've been watching sixties Doctor Who. Um. And Grimwade was busy, wasn't he? Peter Grimwade, who wrote this, directed the previous story, Earthshock. And as a very, very good director, um, with great visual flair, um, I mean, I, I see, saw interviews with him later where he was quite testy um, about about the renditions of some of the things that he'd imagined. So... Um, I, I can only imagine how this differed from what he might have felt he would have done with it. Um, but uh, I do feel a bit for Ron Jones because uh, he's, he's saddled with the, you know, the end of season when the money's run out. And this is, but the, oh, of course, this is, yeah, the Seraphim would be nice. Say, yeah, the, we're, we're going to come and chat, but we will kill your very young friend. Uh so sorry about that. I think it's a flawed, it's a flawed communication system. Uh, but, but um, uh, it's it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because P Professor Hater sacrifices himself, which is quite a brave thing to do. Um, but he even when he sacrifices himself. He's an ass because he's basically going, no, young lady, I shall save you because I'm an old man, although I'm actually much older than I look because I'm only in my early 60s. Um, but instead what he goes is, oh, I'll, I'll get lots of knowledge. Yeah, but you will die. D doesn't matter. I'll know things. Yeah, it's not a terribly convincing argument. No, but it is one in keeping with my character, a slightly annoying scientist. <laughs> I do like that effect, though. I mean, I know you can do that very fairly easily now, but I remember working a, a work experience. I, I worked at a place that had a video editing machine and you, you could press buttons that, that made it do that. But uh, I still think it's neat. Uh, it does the job and the, the, the sort of black and yellow is quite striking. Um, and yes, this was great. Oh, yes. Oh, come on, Angela. It's 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 just as trying as a New York stopover. Um, 
And it's interesting that's you know there's an actor who knows where the, the camera is because he's having to sort of grip her and look her in the eye, but whilst not turning his back on the camera that's on him because it's also got her face. Very good camera technique, Keith Drinkle. Um, and yeah, you know, he turns a bit more of himself to camera in Zygon, the spin-off. It's not, but it's not even porn. That's the thing about Zygon. It's not even porn. It's a sort of thriller with 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 a bit of flesh in it it's it's very uh um it's it's a testament to the crazy world of doctor who that that it exists um yeah yeah that's uh she's got very very 80s hair isn't it it's like hair that you can sort of lift off like lego hair Oh no, no, she's she's succumbing again, Roger. Um, oh, oh dear! I've never noticed the bubble bath on Professor Hater's skull before. That's quite uh, that's quite grim. But it's, it's good at grim little touches like that. Eighties uh, Doc Two that just made you feel like they were trying. Now, Anithon. Of the race of the Zeravin. I love the sort of cracks that they've got in there. It's a very simple effect, isn't it? It's two actors in sort of leotard one pieces with a bit of with a bit of CSO colouring on them. But the, but that crack suggests you know some sort of entropy uh, affecting the 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 Zeravin race. Um, and Anithon of the Zeravin, because what I what quite like is that they're called. Anathon and Zarak, aren't they? They're the sort of and, and Anathon is the good one, and played by Hugh Hayes here. And Zarak is the bad one. Uh, so uh, it's they run the whole gamut of good to bad from A to Z. So presumably there's one called sort of I don't know, Ma Martin, who's who's pretty much straight down the middle. He's neither good nor bad, you know. But but ba Banatak and Canathon, you know. B and C, they're they're pretty good. They're not as good as Anathon, but they're they're quite nice. Whereas Steve and Tim, towards the end of the alphabet, they're rotters. Um, now Hugh Hayes, I met. Oh, I, I will never forgive myself for this. He was playing Horatio to the Hamlet of Nabil Shaban, and we went to see it. And he was a very funny, witty Horatio. I remember a touch now. I don't think I'd let anyone get away with where he comes in and says, "I am here, ear, my lord," and has a <laughs> had a pretend ear, but it had this sort of joshing, joshing banter that he had with uh, Nabil Shaban's very good Hamlet, and it was a it was a really good and interesting uh, production. Um, and 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 we hung around afterwards, me and my friends, to get their autographs. But but I hadn't. And I was pretty good with actors' names, but I did. I hadn't. I, I think Time Flight wasn't massively on my radar, and I didn't recognise the name Hugh Hayes. But it said Doctor Who in his biog, so we'd got our books for for Nabil Shaban to sign, and uh, and 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 so my friend got Hugh Hayes to sign his book, and I think I just got Hugh Hayes to sign my program. And not my book, whereas I've got guest actors to sign my books loads since. Uh, and as they were going, he sort of looked at me as if to say, drop me to sign your book. And I sort of did, but it was almost too late, although he was perfectly willing. So it was me that was it's like, well, I do it now. If somebody offers me a cup of tea and I want a cup of tea and they're happy to make a cup of tea. I'll still, for the sake of politeness, go, uh, no, no, thank you. Don't want a cup of tea. So I was going, no, no, no. So I didn't, I didn't 
take the opportunity that he gave me for him to sign my book. Uh, and uh, so I don't have I don't have Hugh and he and and he's, we'd said to him what were you in Doc Two and he said oh I was I ended up being banished by the master so he worked out who who they were who he was um, and and he remembered he was called Anathon because he signed that on my friend's book where it presumably is still inked and where there is a big empty gap on mine. Um, It's um, and and Zarak is is quite mean. He's got a good voice. Andre Winterton, I think he's called. I remember him being in an episode of Howard's Way, but uh, it, it, but it's basically the Doctor and Mister Tegan are basically watching an alien race have a row with itself. Um, it's it's a it's it's a sort of curious curious moment but 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 the idea is is a sound one of this of this sort of balanced race and the baleful influence that is doing whatever uh uh yeah how can he help what's he supposed to do press tag start doing some wrestling right so yeah there's a sort of psychic psychic battle that goes on but um you know it's a it's 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 quite a binary idea that though isn't it is that there are good Xerophon and there are bad Xerophon uh, uh, and um, I, I think we would well no I, hmm, I don't know I don't know how I feel about that um, but they they render it very well the, the, the two characterizations are uh, uh, do the do the job I like the cracks although in this cleaned up blu-ray I can see where the 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 cracks are sort of not stuck on completely flush uh and this is a this is great because the sar sarcophagus has gone no walls and the, and they're trapped uh, he's there's they're very good at cliffhangers like this in the davidson era where they're, they're just like right something's happened we have to get the doctor to say what it means at the end of mordred i dead it will be the end of me as a time lord i've got no idea why but i'm going with it because peter davison said it and i believe him oh nigel stock gets credited before anthony ainley that is interesting probably only to me um but because ainley's sort of considered part of the regular cast and i know Peter Wingard is credited before him as well. I think Peter Wingard's credited before everybody in, in Planet of Fire, um, apart from Peter Davison. Um, I hadn't, I had forgotten that Nigel Stock, Stock trumps Ainley. Um, well, there we go. That was episode three. Oh, and because uh, it was the other day when I did this, I need to call up. I don't think I still have John... John in my uh, music so I need to call up John Cooper to see uh, what is his uh, what is his what are his favourite things so before I choose um, play what John has chosen which I've just lined up thanks to a nifty edit. 
uh, I'm going to choose the, the 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 idea that they they get trapped inside that sarcophagus and there's no there's no purchase there's no levers there's no door um, and indeed the cliffhanger is that they end up trapped inside there but I find that that idea that you get you know they take ages trying to get inside a place which is really hard to penetrate but then once you're in there if somebody takes out takes away the hole that you use to get in the means of escape I find that idea very claustrophobic so that is my favorite thing about episode three although I, you know i could have gone for i could have gone for the you know the the pilot's little subplot and all that sort of stuff but i will go for that the best thing about episode three is professor hater played by nigel stock who is one of several hundred classic professors that knock around in doctor who challenging him and then accepting his way and then in this case well you, you'll find out what he does to himself So, well, look, um, we are trapped in lockdown and we cannot, cannot escape. But unlike the master, the coronavirus will not finally defeat us. So although we are now at the end of episode three and in a parlous state, I am confident we will all escape. Well, welcome back, everybody. Has the Master finally defeated the Doctor? Well, let's hope we're not disappointed by Time Flight Episode 4. I come into it a little bit disappointed because I've just seen the camera angle I used to film Episode 3 and uh, it wasn't the most flattering. Um, thank goodness for Ken Burns saving the day again, hopefully, uh, uh, in, in post-production. Post-production, he says. Me trying to work out how to use a thing on the laptop. Anyway, it's my problem, not yours. Welcome back. Welcome back to Haydoke Towers as we watch, which I watched for the first time in Newbury and Berkshire when I was with my grandparents. I watched at least 15 minutes of something we're now going to see the whole of. Time Flight, Episode 4. Press play. Press play. Now. Or thereabouts. <laughs> well... Time Flight Episode 4. I I do never think that... I, th I think t Tom Baker's face works better on this this title sequence than, than Davison. It's an odd picture of Davison, that. I don't think anyone's ever quite got into that. I think it's a, it's a slightly funny, sh funny shape, and it's he's not got a great face for the Doctor Who title sequence. He's a brilliant actor and a brilliant Doctor. But the, the sort of flatness of his face it doesn't doesn't help that title sequence. Time, is Time Flight the only story with a dash in the title? Don't write in. It's spectacularly unimportant. But I've just seen the, the hyphen, of course, Time Flight. Uh, are there any other stories with a dash? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Uh, it might occur to me, but if I spend the whole story thinking about, the whole episode thinking about punctuation in episode titles, this will be a rum-do. Uh, um, so yeah, I didn't see. The, I mean, this is obviously the the recap, but I didn't see this first time round because my grandparents were watching Crossroads, and as I say, as I said a couple of episodes ago, yes, they they they'd made me convinced I'd probably only missed the very beginning, but I certainly let's count because I certainly didn't see Professor Hater in the TARDIS, which gets Nigel Stock his episode credit and episode fee. Uh, it's not much of a part from him because he, he appears at the beginning of episode two and he's dead by the end of episode three. P 
poor old Nigel Stock. I'm sure he didn't lose any sleep over it. I like a wire, uh, a, a red, a red, a twisty cylindrical wire. Uh, see now, because now we're all wireless. You see. Well, that said, I've got a whole load of wires um, traipsing about here in order to to set this up. Um, oh, hovering Tardis. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I like the fact that Captain Stapp has taken his jacket off in order to get to work. Um, Richard Easton was... I was very pleased to see him. He's in Kenneth Branagh's film of Henry V. Um, yeah, Nigel's so right. I still hadn't, I still hadn't seen this bit. Uh, so, th so this was still... Crossroads was still on. I'm sure it was Crossroads. Um... Uh, I quite like the veins on the wall as well. Um, oh, well done. Oh, well done, Captain Sapley and and First Officer Bilton. <laughs> Good work. I like the fact they've got to do something a bit heroic. Um, so, yes, Richard Easton is the Constable of France in Kenneth Branagh's Henry V film, which I was very pleased about because, you know, that was big news and everybody's in that movie. I mean, anybody who is anybody from Judy Dench to... Robert Stevens to Ian Holm. I mean, it was the creme de la creme of British theatrical and acting royalty. Um, but he also, and within that, and I, and I thought, well, maybe, you know, Easton is just amongst those, but Easton had also been in the stage uh, of, version of, of, of Kenneth Branagh's Henry V, and he imported him, along with not, not many of the rest of the cast. So, for example, Robert Stevens plays Pistol in the film of, Henry V, but uh, uh, it was Bernard Horsfall in uh, the RSC version. And I always felt, oh, come on, Branner. Robert Stevens doesn't need the work. You could have given it to Horsfall because uh, we like Bernard Horsfall in Doc Two Circles. But so I was very proud that Richard Easton managed to make the trip. And he's in Dead Again as, as well, I think. And then, and then worked in America and he won a Tony Award. Um, and also had a, I think, had a massive heart attack that meant he had to, I remember he had to pull out of a play or, 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 or something. Um, but was a great, but yeah, he he did great work on 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 Broadway. And as I record this, he died less than a year ago. He died just before Christmas, twenty nineteen. Uh, but had a, a fine career in the states, uh, which, I, as I say, had surprised me. I thought, you know, oh, a British actor's gone out and done that. But no, he he was Canadian. I discovered, I discovered later. Um, so he had a pretty good international career, and he's in Time Flight. Good for you, Richard Easton. Uh, and he's he's very good as the constable in in uh, Kenneth Branagh's Henry V, which is a, a a very good a very good example of how to do Shakespeare on film very well. Uh, shame, shame, everlasting shame, nothing but shame, says the constable. Um, <laughs> I hope that wasn't Richard Easton channeling his thoughts on his his appearing in Time Flight, which. Uh, you know, has not got the best reputation, but I'm, I'm enjoying. The pace is good. I love the TARDIS on its side. Why is it? The TARDIS is so perfect. The fact that it's, you know, I, I was never a great fan of Star Trek, and I say that, and when I mean I'm not a great fan of something, I've watched every episode and can name all the regular cast of of of, of all the series. I mean, I've watched every. I don't think I've watched all of. Of of, uh, of Voyager or, or or Enterprise, but certainly the the, the first three. Um, so when I say I'm I'm not a fan, you know, 
Yeah. I, I, I'm not a massive Blake Seven for what fan, but I've watched it three times at least. I know who directed certain episodes. But the the thing about Star Trek and indeed Blake Seven, which I just un, un, sort of brought up, not intending to bring him into it into this argument, is um is that that you know they have the best spaceship in the fleet. Um, and you know, in, in in Star Trek, you can only be part of the crew if you're, you know, if you're the if you're the best at your job, you're the best goddamn pilot. That's not that's from something else, but do you know what I mean. Um, whereas what I rather liked about Doctor Who is that the TARDIS was a bit knackered, and you couldn't really control it, and you had to hit the the, the, the console with a hammer to make it work properly. And the Doctor, you know, whenever his exam results were brought up or, or anything, he was a, he wasn't the best goddamn time lord we've ever had he wasn't the stuff of legends he was he was a chancer who got away with it you know his what his driver was was to do right but he he was no sort of moral wiseacre um he, he was very flawed uh and as and as somebody that didn't quite feel like i i fitted in he was my kind of hero because everybody that saw him thought he was a bit of a idiot as well <laughs> i thought he was a bit of a weirdo or, what, or whatever um and and the tardis on its side in the in the concord cargo hangar or whatever it is is a lovely image it's such a great thing it's such a great shape it's such a it's an aesthetically pleasing thing yet it, with a ramshackle charm uh and Davison still got the energy. You you know you don't get the impression he's just walked onto set from, you know, having a having a cup of tea, chatting to the Sparks or whatever. He's just he's herring about time and space, and everything's terribly dangerous. And he's always giving that impression. He's always he's always finding something interesting to do, which is important for this sort of television. Because nowadays you can cut around bits and bobs. In, in those days, where, when it's sort of vision mixed, sort of as live, even though it, it wasn't as live like it was in the 50s, it's still vision mixed as you do it. Um, whereas now you sort of, you cut it much more in, in post. So an actor like Davison, who will do a thing like he'll point one way and then go the other, or, or there's always something going on with his face, or he's always got a little bit of, if not business, emotional vault faces or, or, or just something where the energy flies about or yeah the, there is or there is business that that keeps you involved or keeps you guessing or surprises you it's very important sometimes when the viewers need something to keep their interest because an actor for the sake of the shot that's been rehearsed or whatever has to get from here to here or the fact that it takes an actor slightly longer to get in and you can't cut around that in a way that you would now where an entrance would would entrances and exits take take a much swifter affairs um he's worth his weight in gold is, is David. and he's made that transition to the more modern way of making television i love the fact that captain stapley is mucking about with the tardis has uh uh, 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 which he's um, berating himself for is actually uh, scuppered the master's plans uh, I yeah I, I think that's rather jolly they, they, I like the way the pilots have been integrated into this 
the temporal limiter. Yeah, so it's an interesting sort of um, bargaining on a bargaining on a Paleolithic landscape for attempt for something we don't really know what it is. Oh, the master's column. It's a, it's a, it's a. Uh, and there we go. And that's quite neat. That's a simple effect, isn't it? But all the extras coming out of a column that clearly only one of them would be able to fit into. <laughs> see that stay <laughs> he's so good and i was so cross with him as a as a youth because he wasn't tom baker i hated him he was my least favorite doctor peter davison and he's now one of my favorites uh, i'd say he's probably in my top three um and it just goes to show um that you know you should revisit things <laughs> and i've revisited many a Doctor Who many a time and I can constantly change my uh, opinions um, but yeah I, there's a great line in School Reunion about saying for, for you're very conservative for somebody who behaves like such a radical and Doctor Who fans are a bit like that, that when people say what's, what's so great about Doctor Who and we go oh well it's the flexible format it can be anything I remember loving that bit of green I didn't I mean it's just it's just Swarfiga isn't it it's just and it's not even supposed to be alien goo but I remembered just loving the fact that there was green goo. It seemed real and exciting and, and space age, even though it's actually one of the earthly elements. But I, I, if, if you'd asked me any time, you know, if, even if video hadn't been invented and DVDs where we could watch again, what do you remember about time? I'd go, oh, I remember the bit with the green goo coming out of the, the, the Concord. The, it's brake fluid, isn't it? Or whatever. It's con I remember the green goo Concord brake fluid. Um, and this is this is very Doctor Who changing the tyres on a Concorde uh, in Paleolithic England. I'm I'm not sure of the proportions, but I don't really care. Um, it is. I mean, it is because is it John's favourite story? Did he say? I think he did. Um, it's 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 jolly, and I love the fact that Tegan is getting. Uh, to do, uh, you, you know, she's getting to do her uh, her thing that she's been wanting to do all series. I, instead of travelling in time and space, I want to be an air stewardess. I want to go from England to Schiphol Airport. I want to fly from England, London to Hong Kong. You want to go to an alien planet? No, I've 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 got limited horizons. Thank you very much. Oh, film looks good, doesn't it? Film looks so much better. Um, but I could always tell there was a difference and I know that my mother, my mother wouldn't have known the difference. She wouldn't, she, if I'd said to her that's on film and that's on video, she, she wouldn't have known what I was talking about. I think we're trained, aren't we, to see it, we Doctor Who fans. Uh, I, I love the extra at the back who's also sort of cosplaying as Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, sort of chatting away going do some rhubarb he's a rotten fellow this master isn't he yes he is yes uh, have you been in anything recently i did a yes minister the other day oh they're nice boys aren't they yes they are <laughs> um but yeah poor old ron jones having to direct 
you know these sort of sequences when the when the when the money's run out and it is it does have a bit of a feel of that there's not an awful lot of pace to it or anything but it's 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 amiable it's an amiable adventure and and yeah i i'm not angry with it i i and it but and john john is a smart guy um he uh you know his love of this is tied up with his childhood, and I love the fact that he's he's brought that to the table with this. I I like that sort of feline kind of, and it like he's sucking on his dentures in villain. It's almost like I've got I've had some stew and I've got a string of meaty gland between my dentures. <laughs> but I I do like it. It's that he does thoroughly enjoy his villainy. He does. Uh, does Anthony Ainley uh, and it's curious isn't it that they went for s the sort of look and the sort of s slight feel they wanted him to be a, a reminder of Roger Delgado whereas now as as we've seen you know we go for a, a, as different a master as we do for the doctor this is glorious right yes of course Tegan's job is that she is an air stewardess so therefore what we need to do is we need to give her air stewardess lines uh, 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 even though she doesn't go bloody hell guys we've just had an adventure in time and space and this is where the dinosaurs lived let's get back to Earth go, no I will talk to them as if we were on a flight to Paris because she's an air stewardess and that's where air stewardesses go it's, it's, one, it's one of the few moments where you go I think we're in a programme aimed at kids here a little bit you know that where somebody's job becomes their character <laughs> and i i can understand the temptation to to do that because you go oh finally we've got this character in a position where she gets to do the thing she's been dressed as for the entire season that's another um so it was it was actually it did give familiarity and and continuity the uh the the fact that the regulars were dressed in the same clothes but i I, I I prefer I think my I could I I can see the reason that John Nathan Turner wanted consistent images to have you know chances of merchandise and recognizability of of brand it's very modern uh, and yet nowadays we would go for more realism and go no people will change clothes between Doctor Who adventures people do not wear the same things uh, every day uh, and I, uh, I I prefer that approach. And it, I think it was a slightly uh, backward step, even though I can understand why why John Nathan did it, Turner did it. That's uh, very much a, a a producer with his eye on what's out there rather than what's on here, which is which is an approach. Uh, it is a producer's approach. Um, the Concord stuff looks great. Oh, but we're going to have the shot now, aren't we? Have uh, the the cut and the shaking's good. Oh, the doctor's slightly out of focus there. Yeah, this film stuff's great because it's and it looks beautiful on the blu-ray uh, now i think the blu-ray people have made that shot perhaps look slightly better than it was which is the, the takeoff with a bit of paleolithic uh set in the foreground because i rem i remember that looking a bit pony um but we know the memory cheese oh and there's the shot of the concord takeoff yeah and i'm not sure how i feel about that because actually that did look pretty good but i'm i'm pretty certain it didn't originally and i'm i'm not and i'm very good friends with all the restorers i'm not sure how i feel about that 
uh, I, I do quite like uh, it to remind me of what I saw when I was younger, even if what I saw was a bit terrible. Uh, and I do adore Captain Stapley's, what did I tell you, Doctor, finest aircraft. You go, yeah, you are proud of your Concorde, and it is a beautiful, a beautiful looking thing. Um, and Davison, again, he's got that Troughton thing of, of, of he's never entirely sure what he's going to do is going to work. And I love that. Um, that's a brilliant image. Oh, that might be my favourite thing of the episode. It's the TARDIS on its side. Ooh, now do I have to do two things? I I can't, I can't remember my own rules. This is terrible, because this, this is entirely not for the demographic that these these are aimed at. <laughs> Doctor Who fans are people who like things to be just so. If I've got rules about how many things I have to be chosen and what the consequences of those are, I have to. they have to be the same every week, and I just can't remember. I, th I think... I think I have to choose one for this episode and, and one overall because that's what John's doing. And then if I've chosen more than half of the things that I've chosen match with what he's chosen, one of us dies. I think that's I think that's the rules. <laughs> and it's just, now the film. You see, it looks it looks so good. And hats off to to John Nathan Turner. Apparently, nobody had filmed at Heathrow Airport prior to this. That's pretty good, and at a time when a lot of television looked quite similar, you know, just the idea that an episode would be shot abroad was was amazing. So this would be something. This would, but which is why all those publicity photographs of them in front of Concord were taken. This this would mean that this would look unlike anything else on this week, and that's what you had to do with the amount of drama being churned out. That's what you had to do because there was a lot of stuff which was actually a bit like some of the other Heathrow stuff here lots of middle-aged white guys in a room yelling at each other that's the sort of drama I was brought up on uh and and so actually going well we've got it set in a genuine airport and it looks real and it's on film was a way of going this show is this show is worth watching because it's 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 visually it's visually different um I, uh, are you, you good? But you don't need to run away, Doctor Who, because, but but. You the the, the airport guys do know who you are. Um. But um, I remember that looking worse. Uh, when I watched it too. Oh, and he's zapped. Oh, and he's zapped the master away. Does he do a cricket thing? Yes, he does a cricket thing. Boom. Um, which again, Tegan is an air hostess. The doctor likes cricket. So if he can use a cricket metaphor, he absolutely will. Um, but we, it's yes, it's it's a bit of a sort of off-screen exit uh, for the master. In fact, the master doesn't have an awful lot to do, does he, in, in that story? Um doesn't get a big slice of the action uh where's tegan she is walking around heathrow airport um reminding herself what she's missing and this was a this was a a neat uh swerve because it was a it was a surprise i mean i didn't get the magazines anyway so i didn't i didn't know when people were leaving but i remember being surprised and and disappointed that Tegan was leaving, and of course she wasn't. 
but very cleverly she's not in episode one of arc of infinity so you don't realize she's coming back you think she's gone they're very cheeky these three pilots they're they're quite insubordinate in a very jolly hockey stick sort of way <laughs> they are quite they are quite wizzo aren't they um did i think peter grimwade went to private school if my recollections of what he says about the writing of Mordred Undead are anything to go by. And, and these guys are like the sort of prefect. Keith Drinkle's having a whale of a time at the end there, being a bit cheeky with his boss. He's clearly going, yeah, you vote, you, you kip. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's Brian McDermott, uh, the, who, who I, I think it was the referendum party in, in, in those days uh, that, that McDermott uh, represented. Yeah, he's got a beige jumper on as well. There's a lot of jumpers in this story. Uh, yeah, I think you are. I, is that Les Conrad with the beard? I'm going to go for broke and say that's Les Conrad, that policeman with the beard. And I, there might be a subtitle here going, no, it's not. He's talking rubbish. I, I will, I will spare my blushes occasionally. Um, Les Conrad, the policeman with the beard. If that is Les Conrad is the dad of the twins in The Twin Dilemma. He's also one of the gunrunners in Caves of Androzani. He goes back, he's an ambassador of death. He crops up now and again. He's a supporting artiste. But he, and he's the, 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 the dad of the twins in The Twin Dilemma. Oh, oh dear, uh, Mr. Sheard's got, oh dear. Um, yeah, what, and that was a real shock. And I remember my, my granddad being quite shocked. Oh, is she leaving? Oh, she's crying, you could see the tears. Um, that's a that's a lovely wheeze because that's the end of the season. But you go it ends the season on a on a sort of shocked shocked note because also it's not like a normal departure. If she'd mar gone off and married somebody, you'd have sort of gone. Well, I'm used to companions leaving that way. So 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 yeah, okay, that's the end. This it does it, it does feel like a cliffhanger. It does feel like something that, that that's not the final word. Even though, as I say, when it when it goes goes back in. Uh, it, 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 the following season she's not in episode one so you go oh well maybe she she has gone so he, he was full of good ideas to, to to sort of keep it mixed up a little bit uh a little bit john nathan turner and i actually wonder if that might be my other thing what am i gonna say shall, shall i shall i say it's the time the TARDIS on its side. I just love that image. The TARDIS on its side in the Concord hold and Tegan's fake cliffhanger are my two things. My my one thing about episode four and my bonus thing. What has John Cooper chosen having chosen time flight for us, which I think was a lovely challenge. And I hope I managed to be enthusiastic and I hope I've made up because I do feel guilty because I've, I will have, I will use John's introduction to every episode of this where he basically says uh, when he told me, when he came out to me as a fan and we were going to bond as fellow fans and he said, my favourite story is Time Flight. And I said, that's rubbish. I hate me for that. I hate me from the past. So I hope I've managed to make up for that. By having jolly fun with uh, with the people of Time Flight, and I didn't even choose. Just that this is early on in this process. 
I'm deliberately trying not to choose an actor or a character where they do a thing because otherwise I do that all the time because I've written a lot about actors. Um, actors are very much my thing. Character actors I love. And I will talk about them at length, but I've got, you know, I've got four episodes in which to do so. But I think it's cheating if I keep picking them as my favourite thing, much as I love Captain Stapley and Richard Easton, uh, who I do eulogise in Running Through Corridors, Volume 3. I'd love to go coming soon, but I don't know if it is. Um, but that's proof that I've, I've, I've written my bits. Uh, anyway, what's John chosen? Uh, and my the best thing about Episode 4 is Concord flying through the time vortex, which just looks absolutely amazing. And if you are like a 10-year-old watching that, it's just like, oh my god, this is amazing. The TARDIS is inside Concord, flying Concord through the time vortex. That is things that kids want to see. My bonus thing about the story is how terribly nice and British the captains of the aeroplane are. The captains of Concord, terribly nice, not swearing. We seem to be in the prehistoric era. Prehistoric era. Oh, never mind. Um, and, and that is time flight is one of my favourite stories. I love it to pieces, and I hope I'm going to make you love it as well. Uh, well, uh, yeah, John, and and uh, so you did. We our minds were uh, in accord at various places even though I didn't necessarily finally fixate on the same things that you did. I think, I think, uh, I think we're of a mind uh, with various things. I, I'm delighted with the things that you chose, but I'm also quite pleased with the things that I chose as well. Um, although I, I think the TARDIS on its side in a hold is cheating a bit, but it seems to me to encapsulate so much of what the charm of Doc 2 is and how its iconography is so adaptable and malleable and, and charming, charming. And I, and I think Doc 2 at its best is very very charming um uh so i hope you were charmed by time flight i hope you enjoyed watching it at my house with me and my friend john cooper john is a delightful comedian he does a character called danny pensive who is i mean i've used the word charm very recently is the most charmingly wonderful evocation of sort of innocent joy and guileless um aficionadodom uh, and he, he wins you over from the minute he's on stage. He's a great wordsmith too, John. Um, and with that character, uh, sums up a lot that is that is a lot of the sort of otherworldly innocence of people who like stuff. And I think that's something to be celebrated, and is often something to be mocked. And John manages to to celebrate without mocking, whilst also being terribly funny. And he's a great illustrator too. And I uh, and and I, I haven't obviously listened to the the coda to his message, but I know. I told him to plug his stuff, so do go and 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 uh, find his illustrative stuff and his 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 cartoons and his stories online, because uh, they'll be up your street. Because he is a he is a child of Doctor Who. He was born in Jurassic England and brought to the present day by Concord. Uh, so check out his stuff if you can. It's been a joy talking to you. I hope it's been tolerable to listen. That was the end of Time Flight. There'll be a brand new story in the next edition of Happy Times and Places, which is what we always try to maintain here. So for now, with a smile on our faces, it's time to say cheerio. I think you'll find. 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 Just a quick one to say, I think you'll find I was correct. It is indeed Les Conrad as the bearded policeman. Thanks to my guest, John Cooper. 
John is a terrific comedian who has lately prospered on stage with his alter ego, Danny Pensive, a disarming and charming love letter to geekery, a beautifully benign and gentle creation who will particularly appeal to listeners of this kind of podcast. Check him out if you can, and also John's other creative endeavours, which include illustration and cartoonery. I'll leave the final words to him and wish you all the very best until next time we meet on or behind the sofa for another episode of Time and Space's Best Ever TV Show. Uh, you can see me on stage as Danny Pensive, and uh, I have a comic out at the minute called Distance, which is all about the crazy things and dark things that have been happening uh, in the world since March. Uh, it's a strip that I've started. It's going on Kickstarter. You can find out more about it at johncooper.org.uk. Happy times and places. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this omnibus of happy times and places with me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, John Cooper. I'd also like to thank my patrons, Rob Leonard, Jenny at Bluebox99, Paul Cook, John Deere, Chris Dunford-Kelk, Siobhan Galichon, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, Luke Atkins, Peter Adamson, Will Brooks, Richard Byatt, Paul Carrington, Andy Case, Rob Dawson, James Gould, Joe Llewellyn, David Matthewman, Stuart Mitchell, Nathan Moore, Melvin Pena, John Rivers, Keith Say, Len Stewart, Nick Temple, Apollo C. Vermouth, Rich Wiggins, Michael Williams, Adam Westwood, Stephen White, Mark Aldridge, Sebastian April, James Blackett, Kyle Borks, Hugh Buchtman, Anthony Carroll, Susan Christian, Steve Churchill, Paul Colnaghi, Peter Crocker, Sarah Crotzer, Dave Curran, Rob Dawson, Michael Dennis, Tim Dickinson, Pete Dillon Trenchard, Paul Dykes, Andrew East, David Gillespie, Charles Gears, Simon Gerrier, Paul J. Guest, Duncan Harvey, Simon Hodges, Sam Hollingsworth, Matthew Houliston, Darren Howard, Gregory Hudson, Christopher Joyce, Judith Jackson, and a few people lower down the alphabet will get name-checked in a different podcast. The music for this one is composed by Dave Gates, and all my podcast artwork is done by Dylan Patterson. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and remember to rate and review this at whichever podcast outlet you get it from because that really does help. You can support me on patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke or do a one-off at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydoke or just spread the word or just enjoy it. That's the main thing. Enjoy. And thanks for listening in the first place. <laughs>